The spring of 2020. As cases of COVID-19 increase in Germany, so do the number of patients in ICUs and isolation wards. Relatives and chaplains are prevented from visiting the sick and dying. Of course, it troubles the relatives. They ask, who is with my father, my brother, my son? No one should have to die alone. Germany's healthcare system has risen to the challenge. Many critically ill patients have been saved, but many people dying of COVID have been denied visitors for weeks on end. Medicine can heal the body, but the soul requires love for it to heal. And that's what is being neglected here. What needs to be done so that COVID patients and their relatives don't suffer psychological trauma? A patient is transferred to the COVID center at the University Hospital in Essen, Western Germany. Currently, there are 12 COVID patients being treated here. The new patient is unusual. He's just 29 years old. This is a patient who's come from some distance away. He was receiving non-invasive breathing assistance, but it was insufficient. We've connected an artificial lung, put him on life support. He was brought here by helicopter. This 29-year-old patient isn't in a high-risk category. Yet each day, the doctors discover more alarming symptoms. The SARS-CoV-2 virus is not only attacking his lungs, his heart liver, kidneys, and probably his nervous system are also affected. The doctors are worried. When somebody's so ill that they need assisted breathing by means of an artificial lung, they're in a dangerous condition. Here about a third of such patients die. This is a case for concern. On their rounds, doctors observe the young man through a window. Only certain nursing staff and specialist physicians are permitted to enter the intensive care unit, and then only with personal protective equipment. All the patients on the ICU ward are completely isolated, even those who aren't infected with COVID. The isolation can last for weeks. The patients are very stressed. When they're awake, they're alone, locked in a room. Everyone who enters has to be totally masked. So the staff don't enter as often as they would normally, opening the door and looking in, so that the patient doesn't feel so alone. A relative or hospital chaplain is only permitted to see the patient when the doctors have given up hope. But the patient often dies before that final visit. That's very painful for hospital chaplains and very hard for the relatives when it's no longer possible. It's part of our culture not to leave the terminally ill to die alone. Eighty-seven-year-old Wilfred Hooks and his son Georg know what dying in isolation means. 
This little courtyard was Anna Marie's pride and joy. It was her garden. She was Wilfried Hook's wife. That's our wedding photo. Anna Marie and Wilfried Hooks got married in 1963. They had two children. This picture was taken on their golden wedding anniversary. In the first months of 2020, Anna Marie was taken to hospital. The doctors diagnosed acute blood poisoning. She was taken to the ICU. Her condition seemed critical, but she could still receive visitors. Putting her on an artificial lung was a difficult step. That was the last time I saw her alive. She wasn't conscious, but I was able to hold her hand, and I could tell that she knew I was there. Sadly, that was the last time I saw her. With the pandemic restrictions, everything stopped. For me, the worst was that I couldn't visit my wife. March the 16th, a Monday. Germany imposes a lockdown. Schools and kindergartens close. Factories shut down. The Hooks find themselves standing in front of closed doors at the hospital. Visits are no longer permitted. Timur Zellman is head physician at the intensive care unit. Anna-Marie Hooks is one of his patients. She has tested negative for COVID, but the whole hospital is in lockdown. Even close relatives are not permitted to visit. I think relatives play an important role in the healing and care process. Nobody knows the patient better than their own relatives. No one is more familiar to them than the partner or the children. But at that time, it was absolutely impossible, which I regret deeply. The result was often traumatic. I think it complicates the process of grieving. For one thing, people feel guilty. I wasn't there. I couldn't be there. Also, because certain things couldn't be said or experienced. Things that help with the grieving process. Help relatives to accept the parting. The lockdown certainly made it harder. Anna-Marie Hooks didn't appear to be dying, so the doctors didn't summon her relatives. It soon became clear that in palliative situations, where the patient is expected to die quite soon, relatives could be permitted to visit them again. But this patient wasn't in that situation at all. After 50 days in the ICU, Anna-Marie Hooks is sent back to a non-intensive ward. She knows nothing about the lockdown regulations outside. She can't understand why she's been placed in isolation. On top of that, she's hard of hearing so she can't really follow a telephone conversation. We did try. When the nurse said, it's your son, she said, oh, Georg, when are you coming to visit me? If you can't come this morning, can you come this afternoon? And I realized, she's not understanding what this pandemic means, the banning of visits. She received good medical attention, but for more than seven weeks, neither the chaplain nor any of her relatives could visit her. 
then, unexpectedly, Annemarie Hooks died, alone. We abandoned her somehow. And that still hurts. Wilfried and Georg Hooks know that they're not alone in this situation. During the first phase of the pandemic, some 2,000 hospitals and about 12,000 senior citizens' residences in Germany were in lockdown for several weeks. Hundreds of people died, like Anna-Marie Hooks, without comforting words, spiritual solace, or the consolation of relatives. This can cause stress in later life. We see it in our work with patients from the psychosomatic department, where the subject of grief dominates the conversation. The grieving processes are delayed or prevented from occurring. Then, five or ten years later, they return, sometimes in the context of a depression. Then they have to be worked through again. I can well imagine this happening as a result of the pandemic. The Hooks family feel a mixture of sadness and guilt. They have to deal with a death where there was no opportunity to say goodbye. It makes Wilfred Hooks angry. Unfortunately, there was no opportunity to talk because of the terrible situation, and it still weighs heavy on me that they prevented it. Humanly speaking, a disaster. We always stuck to the rules. In retrospect, I think we shouldn't have. I realize now that maybe I should have fought for my father to be allowed to visit her, and that we shouldn't have simply accepted what the authorities said. Anna-Marie's daughter lives more than three hours' drive from her parents' home. When she heard that her mother had died, she set off immediately, not realizing that the distancing regulations extended even beyond the point of death. At that point, I didn't know it was really the end, that I wouldn't be able to see her again. I expected to be able to see her at the funeral parlor. Funeral directors had strict orders. Once the coffin was closed, it should not be opened under any circumstances. No further contact, not even a glance at the body. Hospital chaplains argue that more humane methods must be found even in the midst of a pandemic. You shouldn't forget that hospital chaplains are used to dealing with patients who are in isolation, where we have to protect ourselves from becoming infected. We encounter the situation regularly in a hospital and in differing scenarios. I'd say the whole situation was a bit more threatening than other situations because it was a collective threat and was experienced as such. Let's look at an example. This hospital chaplain in Essen was summoned to the ICU to see a COVID patient. The ward contacted me directly because I was on duty and I rushed over. Actually, it wasn't complicated. I was met as usual, and they explained to me that the patient wasn't a churchgoer, 
but that his faith was important to him. Also, his connection with the evangelical church. I put on the protective clothing quickly, including the FFP2 mask, and was taken to the room where this elderly patient lay. I then removed my mask for a moment so that he could see my face. I noticed that when I spoke about his family, he was very moved. I could sense it. And on the following day, he died. I also had the opportunity to speak to his relatives on the phone and tell them about it. I got the impression that it comforted them to know that their father hadn't passed from this life without Christian consolation. But even though hospital chaplains can sometimes stretch the regulations, the painful dilemma continues at funerals. When the urn containing Anna-Marie Hook's ashes was taken to the cemetery, no more than a dozen mourners were allowed to attend. It is difficult and sad to have to say goodbye. We gather here in the cemetery during unusual times. We would have liked to honor your wife, your mother, and your grandmother with a grand funeral. That's not possible at present. Yet, even in these limited circumstances, let us give the departed a worthy send-off. The Hooks have many friends in the town. They belong to clubs and to the church. In normal circumstances, there would have been more than a hundred mourners at the funeral. Anna-Marie Hooks faced death alone. Now in the cemetery, it's her family who are left alone with their grief. The funeral takes place on what would have been the couple's 57th wedding anniversary. They had never been separated for long, but in the seven weeks before her death, they were unable to see each other. I was very sad when I heard that. Normally, he could have visited her in a non-intensive ward. You can usually visit in daytime, but not now. They were married for 57 years, and then he couldn't see her at the end. I think that's very, very sad. A senior citizen's residence in Western Germany. In the spring of 2020, visits are banned, since people over 60 are at high risk. Hanaloyo Reichardt had been living here for about two years. She feels quite happy with Sandra Kalva to take care of her. The management has assigned specific staff to individual residents to minimize the risk of infection. For some weeks, Hanalora's son Martin has only seen his mother from a distance. Ironically, he lives close by. Before the COVID outbreak, he used to take one afternoon a week off work to give his mother an outing. They used to cook up a dinner in his small kitchen 
and played board games afterwards. His mother looked forward to it. I always went on a Monday, but not anymore. It's hard, you know. Now we can only talk with him outside and me inside. She says she felt lonely. I miss my family, but we have to get used to it. You can't do anything about it, only cooperate. There's no alternative. Basically, we're neighbors. Just imagine, if there weren't any leaves on the trees, we'd be able to wave to each other. The residence is less than a kilometer away as the crow flies. It's not far away at all, but it might as well be on the other side of the moon. We don't meet up. We can't. Suddenly, the situation becomes dramatic. Five residents die within a few days of each other as a result of COVID-19. Hannelore Reichardt has made friends with another resident. The two women have spent a lot of time together. Hannelore and her nurse talk about how the two friends used to be together throughout the morning and afternoon. They had had breakfast and even lunch together as usual, when suddenly her friend was taken to the hospital just before their afternoon coffee. Three days later, Hannelore learns that her friend has died in the hospital. It hurts that I couldn't say goodbye to her. She was such a lovely person. When I came here, she made herself available immediately, helped me with all sorts of things. I'm really very sad that she died. Nobody can explain to Martin Reichert how the residence became a COVID hotspot. Now all the senior citizens are confined to their rooms. The staff is in quarantine. It's scarcely possible to provide any spiritual consolation to the residents, their relatives or the staff. I was terribly scared that my mother would get sick. I would lose my mind if I couldn't see her. Just the thought that she might die of COVID-19, the fact that I couldn't be there. Remember, we live in the same neighborhood, and there's just a door separating us. A door I'm not allowed to enter, to be at her side. I can't stomach the thought. I can't bear it. In normal times, it's the job of chaplains to help in such cases, to listen, to give encouragement and comfort. But in many regions of Germany, the pandemic restrictions make that impossible. I think we should learn from this experience, for when the infection rate rises again, and there are more sick people. We shouldn't impose such complete restrictions that the dying are left alone. 
The church must insist on this. I've been rather disappointed in the church's reaction. It's failure to say this is a situation in which somebody has to be present if the patient wishes it, so that a person isn't left to die alone. Someone should be allowed access. For Martin Reichert, the situation eases somewhat on May 10th, Mother's Day. One relative at a time is permitted to visit a resident for one hour. Tables are set up in the lobby. The management is taking no chances. During the difficult six weeks, Hanna Laura was able to talk to her son on the phone, at least. She's asked to describe the differences between a telephone call and a personal visit. What's the difference between phoning and a real visit? How's it for you? A real visit is nicer. You see each other, but you recognize each other on the phone. It's not so bad. I was always able to talk to my son. That was possible. But now we can see each other again. That's nicer, isn't it? Able to meet face to face at last. Hospitals have learned a lesson, but that doesn't mean it's back to normal. COVID patients in a critical condition are still taken to specialized centers. The ICUs in Germany currently have sufficient capacity, and the doctors are gaining experience every day. The University Hospital in Essen was able to save the life of the 29-year-old we saw earlier. Two days after he came out of the coma, he tried to remember what had happened and how he got there. I collapsed at home because I couldn't breathe properly. It was all too much. I felt hot and I couldn't breathe. My girlfriend saw what was happening and I asked her to call an ambulance. In the artificially induced coma, he was unaware that his life was hanging in the balance for three weeks. 200 kilometers away, his family had to be content with information issued by the hospital. He's one of our successes. He's no longer being ventilated, no longer on life support. He's even taken a few steps. We're currently looking for a rehab clinic for him, where he can get fit again. Kevin Janning is transferred to a rehab clinic specializing in COVID patients. It has an isolation ward. It's some 200 kilometers from his home. Visits from loved ones would encourage him and help him recuperate. But the fear of infection is even stronger. There's still a long way to full recovery. We can't be certain that he's no longer infectious or might become infectious. So we and the other doctors are very cautious. Patients in his condition remain isolated until we can be quite certain. 
Kevin Yanning's girlfriend, his mother, and his stepfather are hoping to see him in the rehab clinic after two days. They take him fresh underwear and a jogging suit. The young man must do exercises to get fit again, but they are in for a disappointment. We could hand over the bag. That wasn't a problem, keeping our distance. But we weren't allowed to see Kevin. We weren't even allowed into the building for fear we might be infected with COVID. And he wasn't allowed to come outside, presumably because of his condition. They have no alternative but to accept the situation for the present. They aren't even allowed to see Kevin from a safe distance. It's at least six weeks since I last saw him. If we'd just been able to see him at a window or through a glass door, it wasn't possible because of the COVID restrictions. I don't know if he's really strong enough to handle this on his own. The pandemic is far from over. More than 14,000 people infected with the virus have died in Germany. But hospitals now recognize that these extreme cases, where patients are left alone for weeks or even to die alone, must be avoided at all costs. With personal protective equipment, visits are possible. The pattern has varied across Germany. On the one hand, but this was unusual, complete exclusion of hospital chaplains. On the other hand, some chaplains have specialized in ministering to COVID patients, and they've been called by the hospital. There are both variants, but I have to say that in most places, Pastoral care has continued, albeit under difficult circumstances.